0: Just start with nobody will know about this because I'm cutting it all out. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Squat Cobbler. I am Mike. You can find me on Instagram at Official Pagan. And joining me as always,
1: hi, everybody. This is Kelly Squirrel Tool. I'm at K E L L Y T H U L on Twitter and Instagram. All right, everybody, this is
0: episode 80 of the trilogy. So we're already kind of starting to think about what episode 100 might be. So we're kicking around a few ideas behind the scenes. We want you guys to know it's going to be big, epic. And uh, Cobbler Wren is going to have his work cut out for him, I'm sure. Speaking of which, prior to starting this episode, before we get into the topic, because you guys love tangents, before we get into the topic, Kelly told me he is sick of hearing my
1: voice. I am. I am, like, remarkable, because I went through kind of a PTSD, as for the folks who kind of follow our stuff on the, on the blog and on YouTube, you may have noticed that episode 79, which was the Tony OK album review, made it out well in advance of the much earlier recorded Dwarves uh, discussion. And why is that? Because for me to create a version that could go onto YouTube, I had to go through and it was about a one, it was almost, to think it was a 30 minute podcast on an album that's only 13 minutes long. And I had to, within about every two minutes, stop it as I had to begin to adjust, uh, to have the appropriate Cobbler-Wren voiceovers to address. So it was, um, it was a lot, so I and it was usually Mike speaking when I needed to to intervene, and so I got a little. You tired. got one or two in there. I won. I got one. There was one drop where it took me out, but that was about it. And then you asked I, me. Uh, that was the one. It pushed it over the edge. Yeah. Yeah, and then there was there was a section towards the end that I basically at that point was like, I don't have the energy, so I just cut the whole thing out. <laughs> so there's there's a there's some major gaps in it, but you get the you get the story, you get the gist. It is definitely worth a listen. You may want to. If you have a strong constitution and don't really have a big issue with stronger language, uh, check out the podcast version on the blog uh, and then see how it morphs into a YouTube friendly format. It's actually kind of funny to listen to.
0: Yeah, I I actually listened to it while I was getting ready this morning and it was hilarious. I found myself laughing multiple times at the
1: the Cobbler-Wren voiceovers yeah he's on vacation for a while. he's resting up, so take it easy today
0: <laughs> yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna go easy. we're gonna give him a little bit of break. I can't promise anything about episode one hundred though that's gonna be the big one.
1: got that to look forward to.
0: <laughs> it <laughs> might be like by the time we get to episode one fifty a YouTube version of that'll come out seems about right. <laughs> So for you guys listening, you know, we wanted to get a few episodes ready for you guys to get you all pumped up and prepared for episode 100. The, the looming doom over over Kelly and his editing. One of the things I kind of wanted to talk about tonight, we're going a little bit off course, not too much, though. Kelly and I love music, as you guys know. and We talk a lot about music on this show. One of the things that's kind of interested in me over the past couple years, really, but I think over the past couple months, it's definitely become a, a bigger and bigger focal point in music. And Kelly shared something the other day that fits in not only with what we do, but something we'll be doing in the future. And that is Bisto Blanco has a new album coming out. Now for the Squatties out there, Kelly, explain to them who that band is.
1: So Bisto Blanco uh, is founded by Chuck Garrick, who is Alice's tried and true long-standing bass player. And Chuck formed a band called Bisto Blanco to tour on kind of off times when Alice was not touring. And he talked Calico Cooper, Alice's daughter, into joining as Kind of a co-front person, so they're kind of Bonnie and Clyde of rock and roll. And Calico's done a bunch of Alice shows, and she's done a great job. But she wasn't really sure about taking stronger vocal duties and and some of that. But had the opportunity to see them, they're they are just outstanding. We will be doing some Bisto Blanco albums in the near future, but it's really great music. And uh this will be, I believe, their third release. So there's a lot of good Bisto Blanco stuff out there. But this current release, they're doing kind of an early aspect of it, where if you kind of sign up now you can get autographed copies and kind of some bonus content to to buy the new Bisto Blanco album
0: soon. So I so I have two questions for you and this is going to lead into the larger topic at hand here. So what are your thoughts about the stuff they were offering and did you
1: pre-order? I will be pre-ordering. I haven't done the pre-order yet, but I will be pre-ordering. So they're they're offering, in particular, um, autographed copies of the material, and that's kind of cool. I have a decent number of, whether it's Chuck Garrick or Alice Cooper signatures, quite a quite a few. And we'll get into this later. That so I also, when we get into topic matter, we'll talk a little bit more about Bisto Blanco autographs in a second. But um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and do that. And I highly recommend we'll include a link to the blog post in the blog post to get you out to where the Bisto Blanco information is. It's you can get some extra goodies, and it's uh, it's a great band.
0: Yeah, actually, it was Kelly. Sorry for coughing. Just finishing up uh, a song that it it left a smoky sort of resonance in the room, and a lot of coughing. I don't know what that could be from. So anyway, Bisto pollen season.
1: Pollen season.
0: Pollen season. Yes, allergies. So, uh, yeah, Bisto Blanco was a really good band, and I was like peripherally aware of them. And it was really Kelly's recommendation that got me into them. Now I'm a big fan. Uh, Kelly and I have discussed a little bit the idea of going through their records like we did with the Alice Records. And now seems like a great time because, as Kelly mentioned, this is, what, the third studio album? Correct. And there's a live album as well, right? I believe so. I mean, even if we did all four of them, like, it's not a ton of material to get into. Now seems like a great time because there's more Alice stuff on the way. There's more Hollywood Vampire stuff on the way. Not to get too far off because I do want to (laughs) continue... Into this topic a little bit more, but you did mention like Alice autographs and stuff. Now, do you have
1: an actual Alice autograph? I have numerous Alice autographs. I've nice. got. Uh, I had a, a friend I w- who went out to Phoenix, and they knew I was a big Alice Cooper fan, and they went to Cooperstown when I was was open out in Phoenix, and uh, they were there, and they were. Oh, I'm going to buy Kelly a t shirt, and the person behind the desk said hey you know alice comes in usually once or twice a week and signs stuff if you want him to sign stuff so i said yeah that'd be great so a friend of mine from work brought back a really cool cooperstown t-shirt with a two kelly alice autograph i've got a autographed uh golf uh, there was a golf outing that they had got kind of celebrity golf outing i've got that autographed. and then my treasure above all else is some other friends had gone down to dragon con where alice was there and as they got up to the front where he was signing eight by tens they're like It's a real shame that Kelly's not here because he's a huge fan. And so Alice said, well, we ought to give him a picture then. So I have this, and it's sitting actually right in front of me. Kelly, where the hell are you, Alice Cooper? So pretty cool.
0: (laughs) That's great. Yeah, Alice is actually going to be at a convention near me. I don't know if it's this weekend, the following weekend. I know I'm not able to make it, which I'm a little bit bummed about. It would have been cool to to meet Alice and get him to sign something. I do have an Alice Cooper autograph, though. Um, I have a signed copy of the CD, and it's the only reason I would buy a CD—the CD of the Hollywood Vampires album. When that was released, there was like a promotional thing with Amazon, and you could get a signed copy through Amazon. So that's my my only Alice autograph. I have a, I have a lot of in general autographed stuff though. So getting back to Bisto Blanco, they're offering these different packages and this is becoming a more and more common thing for bands to do uh, to offer fans the these bigger packages and not just for recorded products, but at shows as well with like VIP IP packages and things. And we'll get a little bit more into that in a minute, but here's my problem with Bisto Blanco and I need your input on this, Kelly. You ready? I'm ready. As you know, I'm a cassette tape guy. I also love vinyl. Those are my two preferred choices of buying physical products and music anymore. There's, I really, like as much as I joke, I have nothing against CDs. It's just with digital streaming formats coming as far as they have. Most of my music I stream now out of just sheer necessity. I can't buy multiple homes to, to house all of the physical product of all of the music that I listen to. So out of necessity, a lot of stuff I stream now. So when I buy something, When I go out of my way to go above and beyond and get a physical copy of something, I want something that is analog, that has like cool packaging, something that's going to look nice sitting on my shelf kind of thing. And they are offering a cassette tape version of the new Bisto Blanco album. So as soon as I saw that there was a cassette tape, I was like, well, obviously this is going to be my pre-order option. And then I realized because I don't have any Bisto Blanco autographs, the cassette isn't autographed, which I'm a little bit disappointed in. They're often vinyl too. Is so the vinyl autographed? The, I believe you can get an autographed version of the vinyl. Yeah. So now I'm like torn. Like, do I get the autographed vinyl or do I get the cassette? Because I've been on a cassette kick lately. Most of the stuff that I've been buying more recently has been on cassette. I would love to get both, but I just bought a home. So financially, things things are going to be tight for the next few months. So I don't know if I can do both. So this is a difficult decision. It's a, It's a real tough one for me. I've so been on this cassette kick, but I would like it Bisto Blanco autograph. Yeah, and, and you could get it on vinyl, so I mean, it's not, it's not Yeah, that it's bad. not that bad. It's not like I'm stuck it in the CD. Yep. That was the only downside for me with um, the Hollywood Vampires thing. I really, really wish they had offered, like, autograph vinyl copies or something like that. I would have loved to have gotten that framed, hang that up.
1: So, what package do you think? Do you see yourself going with when you pre-order? I remain open to, to uh, CDs. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm an old man. <laughs> I'm okay with CDs, so I'll, I'll probably go the CD route. Uh, that was Graham Parker when uh, his last album came out. He did a promotion on there and a pre-order, and so I did that and got that autographed CD for that. Uh, and so I'll probably just I'll probably do the CD route as well, because then I can quickly get it onto streaming devices and have it with me all the time. So that'll be cool, and then I'll have the physical the physical CD to to do that. So that's probably the route I'll I'll go
0: which makes sense and and like i said it's nothing against cd's it's just i have to be a lot pickier now in my physical product purchasing of music so i, I tend to go with something like vinyl where i can hang it up or cassette tapes which are easy to kind of you know stack on a shelf somewhere it's going to be i'm probably going to end up going with the vinyl because i i do really want the autograph now there's been a lot of bands doing more and more of this and some of them have been like crazy crazy things so josh freeze do you know who that is the drummer no. So he got his start in the infamous punk band, The Vandals. He was in Weezer, Sublime, Guns N' Roses. He's played with a lot of really big bands. Now he is currently the drummer for Sting, and uh, <clears throat> he posts these horrifying photos. Um, When he travels, he when he's on tour, he likes to eat in airplane bathrooms, which is, I'm not a full-on germaphobe, but maybe like a little bit, and they are terrifying to me these these photos so uh when we went out on the drones and blowjobs tour i did go into the bathroom with a bag of the airplane peanuts which i was not going to eat trust me and it was not my actual like meal on the flight when we were headed to Central America and did take a picture and tagged him of me holding the bag of peanuts in the bathroom. But uh, he really like what brought my attention to this whole thing years ago of bands offering these, you know, more deluxe packages and stuff like that for the more dedicated fans. It was actually some stuff that he was doing. He was offering these like insane packages where it could be anything from a CD to maybe like a vinyl or something autographed. To stuff like getting a phone call from him or getting, you know, handwritten lyrics. And then it just kept building and building to the point where I I believe one of the packages was he would write a song about you. And then the most one of the more expensive packages. Oh, he's I don't know why I didn't mention this. The band you would know him from. He's the drummer of Devo. Oh,
1: OK. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know
0: why I didn't start there. He's the drummer of Devo. <laughs> He started in the Vandals. He's been the drummer of Devo for a long time. And then he was also in Guns N' Roses and The Replacements and a bunch of other bands, Sublime, Weezer. And now uh, primarily, I believe he's touring with Sting. But um, one of the things was like to go mini golfing with Devo. That was like one of the bigger packages that he was offering. And then um, I believe the most expensive one. And the craziest was like he would join your band for a week. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And that week could be whatever you want. You could go on tour. You could record with him, whatever it was. He would join your band. And I mean, that was thousands and thousands of dollars. But like, these were like the range that he was offering. It was just absolutely insane stuff. If you guys are listening to this, go and Google it. It's awesome, the stuff that he was doing. But after that, a lot, he wasn't the first person to offer these packages. But after that is when you really saw the boom of these pre order packages because like all of these things sold. That he offered everything down from you know just autograph CD copies to these many many thousands of dollar you know insane fan packages from him writing songs about you to joining your band for a week to hanging out with Devo these all of these things sold so other bands started kind of jumping on this bandwagon and I get it like I would never compare myself to any band that Josh Freese was in let me be very very clear about that but like streaming music doesn't necessarily bring in a lot of money. <laughs> For an artist to make money nowadays, it's the peripheral stuff that artists make money off of. Endorsement deals, merchandise, touring, things like that. Your actual music, you can't really make a lot of money off of that anymore. If I had to totally make a living off of our streaming music, I would be poor. (laughs) And... Very, very poor. Very, very homeless. Not just a little bit homeless like I am now. Very homeless. Not even cardboard box homeless. And we do pretty well. And I'm not saying that to like pat myself on the back. Like streaming number wise, we do pretty good. So just to give you perspective on that, you can't make a living off of doing that. So I get it. And I think it was a really, really smart thing that he did because he's not ripping his fans off. He's offering these insane opportunities. And more and more you're seeing bands offer these pre-order packages and some of them Are really cool and and range in different things. And I think most of them where Bisto Blanco is at with these are, are kind of in the middle, like you get, you know, cool merchandise and autographs and stuff like that, which I think is exactly what most bands should offer. I can see where some bands would be uncomfortable with things like come hang out with me for a day, or I'll join your band and things like these are our risks, if you think about it that you're taking. You never really know what that's going to turn into. But I think it's a cool thing that that bands offer this kind of stuff. So I'm a huge, huge, since I was a kid, Black Sabbath fan. Are you a Black Sabbath guy at all, Kelly? Uh, not anti-Black Sabbath. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so when they put out what is currently their last studio record, because they air quotes retired a few years back. Now, I, the reason that I say that, I love Black Sabbath. I'm not trying to put down the band. I've seen them on multiple final tours. so i don't believe black sabbath is retired till all of the members are dead and that's not i don't mean that in a dark way it's just they're not ever really going to retire it's a lie
1: don't believe it
0: and i love that band but they lie they're never going to retire
1: who did that Um, yeah david bowie is famous for that (laughs) so yeah there's a few folks that kind of go through multiple retirements
0: yeah i've seen them on two retirement tours (laughs) and i skipped the last retirement tour because i just I gave up paying more. I've seen them multiple times, but twice I've seen them on final tours and you're paying an an extra premium to see them when you're going to see them again next summer (laughs) when they come back around. So, um, but I, I love black Sabbath. I, I do have black Sabbath autographs going back to the autograph thing when they did that, that last studio record 13 and they've released other stuff since then, but it's been like live records and box sets and, compilations and things like that when they put out what is currently the last studio record there was like a super deluxe version of that that was like a couple hundred dollars i'm very very happy that i put out the money for it because the packaging is beautiful it comes with all kinds of great stuff it came with the album on vinyl on cd a dvd of the making of the album and all of the music videos it came with posters it came with these big um artwork flats with handwritten lyrics on them and stuff it's great a really really awesome thing to have and i'm especially glad that i bought it because the album sucked and i'm saying that as a huge black sabbath fan and i know there's gonna be people who are mad at me but i'm not like one of those people like there was a lot of people super excited when that record came out and they were really into it and now they've kind of turned i'm not jumping on that bandwagon i've said from the beginning that the album was substandard <laughs> so i'm actually glad that i spent the extra money to get this really awesome package for me as a fan because the album itself was disappointing. I would have felt let down had I paid $20 for the vinyl and just that. And not gotten all this cool periphery stuff. So do you do you think it's a risk? For you as a fan, do you mind paying more for a big package? Or do you
1: feel like that's a risk if you don't know how the album is going to be? I feel pretty good that the bets I'd place on that would be for for groups that I have a pretty high confidence level that I'm going to like what they do. So like if it's going to be an Alice thing, or if it's something that's done by the clash or, or something like that, I'd say that I'm, I'm probably in pretty safe territory that I'm, they're not going to take a hard left uh, as far as the music goes. I mean, I'm open to it, but you know, typically depending on what the, the, the packaging is, you're talking about pretty significant investment from time to time. So I, I have to kind of look at it. So it's not, it's not music. But uh, Breaking Bad, when they kind of wound things up, they had a really nice kind of final collector's package, which was the uh, the black barrel. Walt's money was stored and contained all the DVDs of the various uh, seasons. And there was a Polos Hermanos uh, apron, some coins, T-shirt, all kinds of good stuff. And so it was absolutely worth the money and a very, very cool thing. So if you love something, if you're a big fan of what it is, and you want to get some kind of unique stuff for it, I'll do it. I'm selective because, again, it's not typically a a cheap endeavor when you're going to go forward with one of those things.
0: As I mentioned with the Black Sabbath thing, I don't remember exactly what I paid for it, but I want to say it was a few hundred dollars. And I actually don't. I'm glad that I did because I was actually really disappointed as a fan in the album. And again, they're one of my favorite bands. I love 90% of their catalog. It was one of their worst albums. It was a, a really, really subpar offering. By them. And I hope it's not their last album. I'm sorry for all the people who went on the final, 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 final tour. (laughs) But, you know, I hope it's not their last album because it's not the best. So I'm actually glad because I got all that other cool stuff and I love Black Sabbath. There's behind the scenes talk of Kelly coming and staying at my new place for a couple of days at some point. Yeah. (laughs) So he'll see when he comes over. There's a lot of Black Sabbath stuff (laughs) in my house. A lot of Black Sabbath stuff. A lot. I have um, so I have a few like the prizes of some of the prizes of my like music collection. I have a lot of I'm a big collector and I have a lot of music stuff, obviously music and movie stuff, particularly. And uh, a couple of the prizes of that collection are original show posters from like the 60s and 70s and stuff that I framed that I put up in my living room. And one of them is Black Sabbath. And it was I think it was their first U.S. tour. And it's funny because that poster, there was a box set, a Black Sabbath box set that came out recently that actually reprinted that poster because it's one of their like most popular posters and it was one of the first ones, so it's one of the most valuable. And I have the reprint that came with the box set, but I have the original poster framed from their show. And on the reprint, they added the band's logo to it. On the original poster, it doesn't even say Black Sabbath. It's just a picture of them on the poster. But I, I love Black Sabbath stuff, so it was cool to get more stuff for my collection from that big box set. And like Kelly said, though, most of the time, I really don't mind putting out the extra money for it. Now, here's where it gets more interesting to me, though. Recorded package, even if you don't like the album, you're getting a lot of cool merch usually with it. Probably an autograph from a band that most of the time you're a fan of. Even if it's one poor album, it's not like I'm going to stop listening to Black Sabbath because I didn't like one record. Now, when you go to a show, though, another super common thing now is to offer VIP packages at shows. And just like the Josh Freeze thing, those can get really elaborate. Sometimes it's just like an autograph CD or a special t-shirt that's only available to VIP people. Sometimes it's meeting the band. Sometimes it gets really crazy, all the different things that you can do. So what are your thoughts on VIP packages for shows? And have you done this?
1: I have. And we'll go back again to our good friend Spisto Blanco because I did a meet and greet with them. They're playing in Illinois, uh, basically halfway between Chicago and Bloomington, Illinois, where I'm from. There's a town called Braidwood. And in Braidwood, there's a biker bar called the Top Fuel Saloon, and uh, they were playing there, and they had meet-and-greets at a very reasonable price. I mean, this was not—I had considered doing Alice meet-and-greets in the past, but basically to do an Alice meet-and-greet, you're, you're shelling out about 400 bucks. I wasn't really prepared to do that. This was a lot more affordable than that, but Bisto Blanco's early, you know, they're looking to build a fan base and, and do all that. So uh, my daughter and I went up, we did the meet and greet and uh it was just amazing because there's just uh i mean you're, you're going to be at the mercy of who's doing the meet and greet if the people you're meeting and greeting are actually cool people it's going to be a fantastic experience if they're not so cool i am going to imagine it's not going to be a particularly great experience but we went there uh fascinating the top fuel Saloon's a wonderful location to see things as we walked in uh well actually so i bought the tickets and I said, okay, they said, you need to pick up the tickets that we'll call. I said, great. So where is that? They said, okay, when you walk in the door, look to your right. And she has red hair. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I found her, <laughs> we got our tickets. But then the next step in, uh, there's an older gentleman. He goes, fish fry to the right, rock show to the left. So we went to the fish fry first, because we had time, had some good food, and then went over to the the venue. And they were running things were running a little bit behind schedule and so eventually we were able to go in as the band's actually setting up and getting doing a little bit of sound check and all that and then they got set for the meet and greet and we were the first first ones up from there and what i was just so impressed with is there's my sense is there's a lot of passion and joy creating music and and performing for folks that comes from from blanco they're really genuine and they have a great appreciation of their fans and so the you would go up, they would sign anything you had uh, in terms of, of that, and then they would take a picture with you. And every picture for every person that was in that meet and greet, and there was probably I don't know thirty maybe or so they, the band would pick up different poses and do different things. So they were really into it and being really supportive to give you a really cool photo for it. And I'll post this in the blog post as well. The, the photo I actually, had cause it's just a fantastic uh, picture and the drummer's wrapping his arm around me. Uh, it's just a really cool, really cool shot. So uh, it was absolutely worth the money for that. But on the, you know, it all comes down to who's on the other end of the meet and greet. If they're cool people, it's going to be a great time, and I couldn't recommend more Bisto Blanco as cool people. So it worked out really, really great for me.
0: Yeah, I would really love to see of
1: Blanco live,
0: and I, I definitely think that's a band I would do the meet and greet for. So typically don't do the VIP packages it shows. I'm usually just there to see the band and kind of... And, and part of it too, I guess, is um, I know from my like little bit of experience like how exhausted i am after shows or how hectic things are before shows and things like that so but there are times so one that i did and it was not cheap and somebody tying it to squat cobbler a little bit was goblin goblin came and it was their first ever u.s tour and it was the band's i want to say 40th anniversary and they had actually played in the u.s before in their various incarnations because as we mentioned there's at any given time usually two or three different touring variations of goblin going on but at that time it was all of the surviving original members were supposed to go out on tour for i want to say it was the 40th anniversary of the band and it was gonna be while they had played festivals and things here they had never actually toured like a headlining tour of the u.s and there was a meet and greet when they were coming to philadelphia and the meet and greet was a lot of money. <laughs> and I was like, when am I going to get the opportunity to not only just to see Goblin, because again, they don't frequent the U.S., but to see essentially the the classic lineup of the band, the remaining classic lineup of the band altogether. So I feel I felt like this is something that was worth it. I, I paid the money. You got to go into the venue early. You got a poster signed by the band. And I ended up getting two because I bought a meet and greet package for the person I was with who's not a Goblin fan. So I got two Goblin Sign posters. You got to watch the band's sound check. And then the meet and greet was awesome because they actually hung out with everybody for like, it was like a half hour, 45 minutes, and it was very expensive. So while it was a sold out show, there wasn't a ton of people in the meet and greet because of the, the, the price point of it. So there might have only been 30 people at this meet and greet at a thousand or 1200 seat venue that was sold out. So you really got to take the time and talk to the band members and stuff like that. And they would basically sign, as Kelly said, with Blanco, they Blanco. They, they were happy to be there. And for a band, you know, Bisto Blanco is still a newer band for a band like Goblin, who's, you know, 40 years in and clearly hates each other um, because they made it through three or four shows of that tour and then once again, fractured into multiple versions of Goblin. (laughs) So for a band that clearly hates each other, they just seemed really excited to actually meet the fans, which I thought was a really cool thing. Completely worth it. I got um, a DVD and some CDs and stuff, got all of it signed by the band and got my two posters and everything like that. So for me as a goblin fan for a band that I grew up listening to, and was such a huge influence on me. That was a really awesome experience, completely worth the money that I put out for it. Now there was a meet and greet a little bit after that, that I had an opportunity for that I did not take. And I'm going to be honest, part of me really regrets it. The beach boys were doing their tour. That's where they did with Brian Wilson for, was it the 50th anniversary of the band? That sounds about right. Yeah, and this was like right after the Goblin 40th anniversary. The same year, probably months apart. They were coming around, and it was like, not only was it Brian Wilson with the Beach Boys, it was all the remaining core Beach Boys. And then the better-known peripheral members from the various lineups so it was like 20 people on stage (laughs) at any given time but it was like all the best known people that they had played with over the years and again short lived just like the goblin thing they did not last long in their reunion with brian wilson there was one album which kind of came out of nowhere which i had read later and makes perfect sense was not a real Beach Boys record. It was a Brian Wilson record that he was already working on and was mostly finished. And then when the reunion happened, the other Beach Boys just kind of jumped on it and became a part of the album and it became a Beach Boys album, which really makes a lot of sense because I think it was like they announced the reunion and months later, like within a few months, there was a record out. So it seemed really, really odd, (laughs) the timing of that especially because they they were insistent that the reunion had like just happened. It wasn't something that was, you know, it was something they were talking about, but it wasn't something like years in the making, kind of like they were talking about it for a few months. They decided to get together and do this run of shows for the 50th anniversary. And then all of a sudden there was a record, a new record out. So it makes perfect sense that it was really just a new Brian Wilson solo record that the other Beach Boys came and you know sang harmonies on. I want to say the meet and greet package was... It was at least $600. I think it was $800. And that did not include tickets to the show or anything else. It was like just to meet the band. There was nothing else with like the Goblin thing. Like you got a poster, you got a lot of stuff signed. I'm almost positive this was just to meet the Beach Boys. At the time, <laughs> I was like, financially, this is an awful decision. So I, I just can't do it. Because not only are you putting out, I and again, I believe it was $800. But it was at least six. I was putting out six or $800. That doesn't include the cost of the ticket for the show, which was not cheap in and of itself. It was at least $100, I want to say, for the ticket for the show. And then you have you know, parking, food, things like that. This, If I take another person with me, this becomes a multiple thousand dollar evening <laughs> very quickly. And that was just something financially I just wasn't able to do at that time. There's a part of me in retrospect, though, because I'm such a huge, huge fan of the Beach Boys. It's not even meeting the other Beach Boys. It would be meeting the Beach Boys with Brian Wilson. And there's a part of me that's like, maybe there's some way I could have made that work.
1: It's a steep. I mean, it would be pretty awesome. I don't know if it's eight hundred dollars awesome though.
0: Well, and that's the thing. Like, it's and it's not just that. Like, that didn't include the ticket to the that's show. else too. Yeah. So, and I would have at least one other person with me. So, if you're talking eight hundred dollars twice plus couple hundred bucks on ticket, then food, parking, all that. Like this is a few thousand dollar night to go see the Beach Boys. So financially, it was just like it, it couldn't happen at the time. But there is a part of me that's like there will probably never be another opportunity for something like that. I could meet a Beach Boy. Maybe I can meet Brian Wilson. I'm not going to meet Brian Wilson with the Beach Boys. They're getting up there in age. That tour was very short lived, much like the Goblin tour, and they they very quickly went back to their respective splintered versions of that band, just like Goblin. And Brian Wilson pushed out another solo record and continued on his path. So, just like the Goblin thing, it's one of those things of I don't know that that opportunity is ever going to present itself again. So, there's a part of me that wishes I had done it. Now, would is there any artist? you could see yourself putting out that $600 $800 that kind of price point for.
1: Alice is always in the running. Peter Gabriel, The Kinks have been making noises like they may get back together again, talking about people who don't get along. <laughs> that would be uh, that could be uh, an interesting thing from there. So I would I would say Gabriel, The Kinks and Alice are all all candidates, but that's, that's probably about, about it. And of course, if Tony, okay, ever decided to return to the fold, I'd probably shell out a little bit to hang out with Mr. K for a while. That makes sense. But the six to $800 range. yeah maybe the kinks because again that would be last chance kind of deal right and
0: that and that's where my my a little bit of remorse comes in with this of that's probably never going to present itself again that opera that specific opportunity i might meet brian wilson if he comes because he does he tours pretty regularly so it's and he does like meet and greets and stuff so i mean you know that might on his own might be a few hundred bucks which is a much more you know reason comparatively reasonable thing and the beach boys for band that goes out and tours you know festivals and fairs and things like that i'm sure they offer meet and greet packages that are probably even less not no offense to them but
1: you know what i mean and of course should uh devo 2.0 the teen band version of Devo, ever (laughs) reunite major coin would be spent to hang out with with
0: them well that makes sense yes of course (laughs) But I, I don't know. It's just it's one of those things where I really get torn on this because I think it's really cool that bands do this. But at the same time, like what's the cutoff? Like what what's worth it? What's a good price point? Because I love the Beach Boys and I just hit a, a brick wall with that that price point where I just at that time there was it wasn't something I could I could work around. The other way that I look at that, too, is I have met Black Sabbath and some of my favorite bands and things like that. And when I met Black Sabbath, now, granted. I've spent a lot of money on Black Sabbath over the years. I've seen them multiple times. The tickets were never cheap. I have bought shirts that I believe every show I've been to, they were not cheap. In fact, the most expensive t-shirt I've ever bought in my life was a Black Sabbath t-shirt. When I was 18, 17, something like that, one of their farewell tours, I bought a like $150 t-shirt. <laughs> it was a long sleeve. It had like printing down the sleeves and stuff. It was their farewell tour. <laughs> the first time i saw them on a farewell tour so i I put out like it was 125 or 150 or something i spent all of the money that i had at that time as a teenager between the ticket and that was like my entire life savings at that point was spent on black sabbath so don't get me wrong i have spent money on black sabbath hundreds of dollars on box sets all this good stuff i have met black sabbath I have autographs from Black Sabbath and all that stuff. I actually didn't pay for any of that. I met them at an event that they were doing. They'd never charged for autographs when I met them and things like that. So again, while I've spent a crazy amount of money on them, and they are one of my favorite bands since I was a kid, I didn't actually spend money to meet them and get their autograph. So that is another thing that kind of plays into the back of my head as well when I think about these things. Like, I love the Beach Boys. I also love Black Sabbath. And I didn't actually pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars to meet Black Sabbath.
1: So, Mike... If Squat Cobbler were to do premium packaging or meet and greet or package offerings, what might the fans look for? What are your ideas?
0: (sighs) Well, so this is a podcast. So I think a cool thing, obviously, choose a topic for the podcast or choose an album like different than like choose an album for us to review. Choose a topic for us to discuss. Be on the podcast seems like one that would make sense. At the top, though, I would say... If I happened to be buying a large commercial space that I was converting into a giant studio complex that I would also live at, like uh, let's just make something up, like say I bought a doctor's office, right, Kelly? Okay, in theory, sure. <laughs> Hypothetically, I bought a doctor's office, and there's a house, and there's a doctor's office, like old-fashioned PCP kind of thing, where the house and there's the doctor's office next to it, and I were to turn that doctor's office into a like little recording complex i think a really cool thing would be to come and watch us do that live and make that an
1: interactive participation kind of thing what are your that's thoughts it's all pretty good that's good i i think those are all good ones the only one i think i'd probably add to that is that i could if one of our fans happens to do podcasts or or do things that they put out on youtube that another premium we could offer is that i could could bring Cobbler Wren in and, and he could edit their podcast <laughs> <That> <laughs> to, can make it, cool. to make it YouTube friendly <laughs> <laughs> once he rests up because he's, he's had a lot of work <laughs> to do. But, uh, but I think you could have a, a Cobbler Wren edited podcast could be nice.
0: <laughs> well, the main thing I would hope is that if we were to do something and offer any kind of a package to fans or some sort of premium opportunity to fans like that, the one thing that I would hope is that whatever it was, whether it's free, whether they paid for it, or I mean, even if we're not charging them directly, there's there's some sort of financial burden on them because they would have to at least get there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Find a place to stay, all that kind of stuff. So I mean, there there's some sort of disruption of their lives involved with that. And I would hope if they're willing to make that sacrifice for us they wouldn't regret doing it and that kind of brings me to my 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 final thoughts on this how would you feel and this is something that came up recently so are you familiar at all with the band the misfits kelly uh yes i'm a gigantic misfits fan i've been a misfits fan since i was a little kid i've enjoyed most of their output uh some of the stuff there where there was there was very little involvement from like the classic era members of the band I wasn't so much a fan of but the the classic lineup of the band has reunited as everybody knows at this point and they instead of going out on a giant tour they very wisely it turns out have chosen to do like two or three shows a year with the classic lineup reunited so that instead of going out on a tour and trying to promote and fill up all these big venues they go out and they choose like one big stadium And play that stadium every six months or eight months or whatever it is. And it's turned out to be this amazing thing for them. Because as much as I love the Misfits, and they're a hugely influential band. And I don't mean on me. I mean on bands like Metallica and Guns N' Roses. And all these hugely commercially successful bands that have covered numerous Misfits songs. And always list them as one of their primary influences. The Misfits themselves, during their original run with the Classic lineup, played small clubs and things like that. They were a punk band. They're heyday if you will actually came after the core classic lineup had broken up because the people that they had influenced at those early small shows turned into metallica and guns N' roses and bands like that so they actually sort of retroactively gained this gigantic momentum and there was a period of time where they're there was no incarnation of the Misfits touring while their band was being built up by all these other bands. I think Metallica has covered five or six Misfit songs or something like that at this point. So it's interesting to see this the classic lineup together and they're playing stadiums and selling the stadiums out in a minute, which is something that, you know, again, you watch the original videos of the classic lineup playing small clubs and sometimes they're not even filled. And then even with the various touring incarnations over the years, even in recent years, while they played some decent sized venues and things like that and pulled some big crowds, nothing like stadium level like they're doing now. So it's created this whole big market and they're not doing meet and greets or anything like that. And the tickets for the shows are very expensive. And again, I understand it. You're, You're paying for the experience. And that's what part of it they're not touring is. They can charge a premium for these tickets because it's not like they're going to come back again. You know, these are all guys who are a little bit on the older side now. They're doing two shows a year and they're doing them in different cities every time. So the chances are they're not going to come back <laughs> to wherever you're seeing them. In between the tour, the big shows, though, the various members and their their side projects and things like that have been going on the road. One of my favorite members of the Misfits is the classic era lineup, guitar player Doyle. Doyle, I'm a big fan of his solo stuff as much as I am of the Misfits. He seems like a really nice guy. I think he, he comes off very, he seems very down to earth, very funny, knowledgeable about what he does in interviews. He comes off really well, unlike some members of the band that he's in who, who have been accused of coming off poorly in interviews. I think Doyle just seems like a really great guy. And he just did a solo tour that he wrapped up at the U.S. And I went out to the show. I don't go out to as many shows as I used to anymore. Just time and different things. And I made it a point, though, to go out to the Doyle show. Had a great time, as always. I've seen him numerous times. He was offering a meet-and-greet package. With everything going on, though, with me being transitioning from homelessness to non-homelessness, I really just time-wise didn't have the time to stick around afterwards for the meet-and-greet. I'm not sure how much it cost offhand, because again, I was I just wasn't in the market for it at the moment to do the meet and greet. He has angered some fans, though. He did an uh, interview recently where he was kind of complaining about having to do the meet and greets as a way to supplement income because of all the income the bands lose from people streaming music rather than buying physical copies, as we talked about a little bit earlier in this episode. I don't think, and again, I don't know him, so this isn't, a defense of him as a person or anything like that. But if you read the whole interview... I don't think he was saying that in a way to be insulting to the fans. It was just more talking about the realities of what the music industry has become and how, you know, you don't make the money you once did off of the albums themselves. So you have to find these other outlets to make money. But he did say in a way that's like, you know, I'm exhausted after doing a show, but I have to go out there and do the meet and greet because that's a way that we supplement the money we're losing on the records. Now, some fans really took that personally that he was insulting them and didn't want to come out and meet fans and things like that. I, again, he seems like a really great guy. I don't at all think that's how he intended it. and I think that that's important to to put out there. But how would you, as somebody like paying for meet and greets and stuff like that, if you did, say, a Bisto Blanco meet and greet and then they said something complaining about meet and greets, would you feel like it wasn't worth your time or money then afterwards?
1: Yeah, I think I would. And and I think that that's why I felt the meet and greet with Bisto Blanco was completely worth uh, what it was, because there was there was no doubt that they were interested and welcoming and appreciative of people who would spend the money to do a meet and greet, come out and support them. And that was the whole, I mean, I walk up to get the picture and Chuck Garrick walks up and just shakes my hand and says, Hey, thanks for coming, bro. I think he said, cause it's Chuck, you know, <laughs> So, <laughs> uh, but, uh, And it was just uh, it was just really genuine. So, yeah, I think if if it's a chore, if they're like, yeah, I'm just doing this, then I think it really takes it out of it. But if if the folks are genuinely like, yeah, I I appreciate the opportunity to kind of connect with the fans and give them some appreciation back for the support they're providing us. I'm all for it. If if they're just I'm here to cash the check, then I'm then I'm going to probably be pretty turned off.
0: Yeah. And I can really see both sides of it, because like I said, I again, I don't know Doyle. So this isn't a defense of him as a person. I don't think he meant it that way. And I get what I think he was trying to say as far as, you know, this the this is the reality of touring now. Like, it's not just about going out and playing a show. It's about selling merchandise and doing meet and greets and doing things like that, because that's how you supplement the income for a working band who's out on the road. Because again, while the Misfits, and this is another thing that I think played into people's reactions to it. Again, the Misfits are playing stadiums and he is a part of that. But that's like two shows a year. So in between, you know, the other eight months that he's not nine months, he's not doing anything related to the Misfits. He has to still tour and maintain some sort of steady income. So I get what he was saying, but I also understand why some fans took that personally. They put out extra money to meet somebody that, you know, whose art they're really into and wanted to tell them in person how how much, you know, show them and tell them how much they support their art and what they're out there doing. And then if it sounds like any artist, not just him, sounds unappreciative of that or that they didn't feel, you know, the same connection with it. I can see where that would rub somebody the wrong way.
1: Yeah, and if any of the squatties do come to the eventual Squat Cobbler meet and greet, you can be guaranteed that I'll be truly appreciative that you're there and glad to see you and Mike could be cashing the check. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that seems like the perfect place to wrap this up, sir. Indeed. So if you hadn't had an opportunity, folks, to either subscribe to the blog, nurtureandsupport.net, to get the podcast in their full unedited glory, or go to YouTube, search on either Squat Cobbler or Nurture and Support, or go just go to YouTube slash K E L L Y T H U L and subscribe to the channel there. You can stay up to date on all the comings and goings of the Nurturing Support and Squat Cobbler podcast. So, sure hope you do do a subscribe for us on YouTube or, or the blog. So, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Uh, 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 All right, I'm going to stop the broadcast.